Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim and Dafyomi. We are now in Masachat Sotan, the third chapter. Mishnah Gimel and Mishnah Dalad are uh, looped together. Handafchaf Amud Aleph. And in this year we're going to look at Mishnah Gimel and the first half of Mishnah Dalad uh, and its attendant Gemara. We will go back to the end of Mishnah Dalad in the next podcast. Uh, at which point we will also complete that, the Gemara's discussion about that. Before the Megillah was erased, Amra in Ishota. If at that point she says, I refuse to drink, and it doesn't matter why, whether she's shaking or whether she's calm, Megillah We take the Megillah, which has not been erased, we bury it, as we would with any other Kitveh Kodesh, that are no longer useful. We take the Mincha and spread it out over the Deshen. Um, that her Megillah may not be used for another Sotah. It's buried and finished. Now, let's say the Megillah was erased. Um, and she says that uh, that she is Tme'ah, which means, now with calmness, she says, uh, I admit it. The water spilled out. Same thing with the Mincha. However, it means it can't be eaten. Let's say it was already raised, and instead of saying Tmeani, she says, I refuse to drink, and she's scared. We force the water down her throat. That's Mishnah Gimel. Now, Mishnah Dalad begins as follows, starts describing what happens to her. By the time she starts drinking, her face goes green, her eyes bug out, her veins start to, uh, to bulge. They say, get her out, so she's not metame the azara. We'll see what kind of tumor that is. Now, let's say she had some merit to her name. Could suspend the punishment. Now, this is something we saw in the first parak. We're going to see it in detail, partially in this podcast, partially in the next. Schut could suspend the punishment for one year, two years, or three years. That seems to be the maximum here. We're not even going to address the rest of the Mishnah, because it's not commented on in this Gemara. We will go back to it in the next podcast. Now, in the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Hura Mishum Rabbi Meir, he quotes Rabbi Meir saying, Shayiti Lomei Torah Itzel Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Meir says, when I was studying Torah with Rabbi Akiva, and remember, Rabbi Meir was a lavlar, he was a scribe. I used to mix this kind of gum substance into the ink to make it indelible. He didn't stop me. Later on, I moved to study with Rabbi Shmuel. First thing he said to me is, what do you do for a living? I'm a scribe. He said, be very careful. What you're doing is heaven's work. You might put an extra letter or leave one out. Vice versa. Could lead to cosmic destruction. Amarti though, so I said to him, Davar, so the mayor is reporting that he told Rabbi Shmuel, Davar chad yeshli shanimatil toch tadyo, pekan kantom shmuel. We'll figure out what is he responding to. He said, I, I put this gum into the, uh, into the, uh, ink. Amarli vichimitilin kan kantom toch tadyo, and Rabbi Shmuel said, since when are you allowed to do that? Hatorah amra umacha, in pasuk number one on the page, the Torah says that you have to erase the Megillat Sota. And his understanding is that that is therefore a definition of what proper ketav is anywhere. Therefore, ketav shu chalim machot. It has to be erasable ketav, and the stuff you put in makes it indelible. So now, the question is, my kamerle, my kamahadile, what did Rabbi Shmuel say to him? What did Rabbi Meir answer? What was going on in this conversation? 
Rabbi Shmuel said to him, Lo, sorry, sorry, Rabbi Meir said to Rabbi Shmuel, when Rabbi Shmuel said, be very careful, he said, Lo, um, I'm certainly not concerned about writing properly which is pleneo defective meaning, with a vav, without a vav, used as a vowel, or a yod, etc. Even the concern that a fly might come down, that it might come and sit on the corner of the dalit, and then I'm going to erase it. In other words, you have a dalit, a fly will sit there and you'll shoo it away, you'll end up erasing the corner and turn it into a resh, which of course could be a real disaster when you say Hashem Echad and it turns to Hashem Acher, that's an awful thing. So he said, I don't have to be worried about that, because So even if some speck would fall onto the thing, we'd sweep it off, it would only erase the speck and not the actual ktav. So therefore, that's how he, he responds to Bishmael, that my ktav is nothing to worry about. Now, First of all, the question, the story itself is suspect. Mayor himself said, This version of the story is inverted. He said, When I studied Torah with Rabbi Shmuel, I used to put Kankantom in. And he said, Nothing to me. Then I came to Rabbi Akiva. He prohibited it. So we have two problems. The question is, What was his uh, his his scholastic history, where did he study first, where did he study second? We have two versions that are opposite. Sakasha Asra Asra, we also have positions opposite. In the first story, Bishmael prohibited, in the second story, Bikiva prohibited. So, we can answer the first question about his scholastic history. First, he came to Rabbi Akiva. Since he wasn't able to figure out what Rabbi Akiva was saying, it was too hard. He came to Rabbi Shmuel, and he learned. Uh, he learned from him. He came back to Rabbi Akiva, and that's where he learned to think conceptually and think in a deeper way. He couldn't understand Rabbi Akiva until he first had his training with Rabbi Shmuel. So I understand that he first came to Rabbi Akiva, and then Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva. So the order of where he studied is not difficult. One bright I had stops one and two, the other had stops two and three. Ela Asra Asra Kasha. But we do have a problem between the Shmuel's report and the Breiter's report about which rabbi prohibited the Kankantom. The answer is Kasha. You're right. There's no solution for that. Now, Tanya Bihudo Meir, Amayhar Meir, Meir himself used to say, La matilin Kankantom Now, by the way, you notice Rabbi Yehuda is quoting his colleague Rameir. But that happens because Rameir is the expert scribe. So he's quoting him in an area that he's expert. La matilin Kankantom You can put this gum into any kind. So this is now the conclusion of what Rameir learned from his teachers. You can put this kankantom into the ink. Except for in the parshat sota in the Torah. Meaning when you're writing Bamidbar and you get to the parshat sota, you have to write it with, indel- with a non-indelible ink. Rabbi Yaakov said, no, the only part that you're not allowed to do is the Parshat Sota that's used as a Megillat Sota. In other words, not Parshat Sota in a Sefer Torah, but the Megillat Sota. Now, I've been what's the difference between them? Rabbi the disagreement is simply whether you could take the Parshat Sota in Sefer Bamidbar, in a Sefer Torah, and cut it out and use it for Megillat Sota.
Meaning that Rabbi Yaakov said, you're never allowed to do that. The only thing you can use for a sota is one that's written for that purpose. Therefore, that's the only one that has to be erasable. And the first uh, version of the story, Rabbi Yehuda's version of the story, was that you can use even a regular Sefer Torah for Parshat Sota. Therefore, that particular section has to be erasable. Now, the, we make the suggestion of Hani Tanoi Ki Hani Tanoi. Perhaps that machlok at Tanaim about what Rumer said between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov parallels this machlok. Our Mishnah said that the, her Megillah cannot be used for another Sota. A woman backs out after the Megillah was written, you can't use it for another Sota. Rabbi Achi Bar Yoshia Omer, he says you are allowed. So our assumption here is that the first Tana says the Megillah Sota has to be written for that woman only. Therefore, Sefer Torah is not good. Therefore, another woman's Megillah is no good. And the second opinion, Rabbi Yachabar Yoshia, who says that you could use another woman's means that it could be written for any purpose. And therefore, even from a Sefer Torah, we think. Rapapa Dumalohi. Rapapa says that this alignment is inaccurate. It's certainly not necessary. Ad Kamar Tanakama Hatam. Tanakama said in our Mishnah that you can that you can't use it for somebody else. Because since it was written for one particular woman, it can now not be taken away from that and be applied to another woman. But in a Sefer Torah, which is written without intent for a particular woman, perhaps you could take it. In other words, the Tanakama in our Mishnah who says that you cannot use it for another woman, may nonetheless feel that you could take it out of a Sefer Torah. And flip it. He flips it and says, the other side is also not necessarily, who said that you may use Megillah um, uh, written for one woman for another woman. That was a Megillah that was written for Sota. It was written to be erased. So for one woman for another woman. The Torah is written for study for all the other purposes. And perhaps that was written in the shame Limu, not the shame Sota. So in other words, this alignment doesn't work in either direction. Now, parenthetically, how could Rabbi Yochia Achibar Yoshia say you could use one woman's Megillah for another woman? The Mishnah at the beginning of the third parak of, of Gittin, which says that if you wrote your the, a get for oh, if a man wrote a get for his wife, and he changed his mind, and he found a fellow in his city, and he said, "My name is like your name, my wife's name is like your wife's name." In other words, uh, you're about to divorce your wife. Instead of paying a sofa to write, here's one that has all the same information. You still can't use it. So why does Rabbi Yechav Yoshia say that you could use a Megillah Tzota that's written for one woman for another? Now, there's a lot of differences, including the fact that Megillah Tzota doesn't have any names in it. Uh, but nonetheless, Amri Hatam la Amarachmana. When it comes to a get, the Torah says la, and what's our understanding? He has to write it for her. Therefore, it was written for the first woman. The fact that, the, that now they've reconciled, which is wonderful, and that the other couple... Um, has the same woman's name, but it wasn't written for her, therefore you can't use it. So, Hachanami Vasala, so here also, look at Pasuk 3 on the page. It says that the Kohen shall do the, uh, the uh, ceremony for her, 
So we think that means writing the Megillah is written for her. No, the Asala refers to the erasure. You have to erase it for that woman. If you erase it for one woman and then she says, I'm not going to drink, and there's another woman who's a sota coming along, you can't give her to drink. That's clear. But the Ketiva doesn't have to be Lishma, and it makes a lot of sense because after all, Megillah Sota, again, doesn't have any names in it. It's not particular in any way to, to any woman, not in date, not in name, not in town or anything else. It's just the text from the Torah, which text we saw three opinions. Okay, back in the Mishnah it says, So as soon as she drinks, she blows up. And it's the gory description. Now, Mani, Rabbi Shimon, he. That means our Mishnah follows Rabbi Shimon, because if you recall, we have the Machloka in the second parak, which comes first. Does the... Uh, does the drinking come first, or does the um, or does the mincha come first? So, so our Mishnah clearly follows the opinion that the mincha comes first because she drinks and immediately blows up. Because certainly the water will not work until the mincha has been brought, and if the minute she's drinking, she's blowing up, that means the mincha was already brought before. The mincha that she brings is called the mincha that is commemoration of the sin. So now, Amos Seifa, that's fine, but the rest of the, of the in Mishnah Dal, in the rest of Mishnah Dal, it says, If she had some sort of merit that would suspend the punishment for a year, two years, three years, that's against Rabbi Shimon. In the very next Mishnah that we'll see, Rabbi Shimon protests and says there is no schut. We already saw an extended discussion about that because it's going to then lead to slandering women who are pure, who drink and don't blow up, and people say, yeah, she had a schut. So Rav Chista Hamani Rabbi Akiva. He the answer is our Mishnah is Rabbi Akiva. To Makrim Nechatav Hakach Mashka. If you recall, Rabbi Akiva agreed with Rabbi Shimon in the Hishka Ve'Achayashkev Hishka that you first bring the Mincha and then make her drink. Uvischut Savalak Rabbanon. When it comes to the issue of merit, he agrees with the Rabbanon. So the answer is it's neither Rabbi Shimon nor Rabbanon. It's Rabbi Akiva who accepts Rabbi Shimon's position about the sequence and Rabbanon's position about Schut. Okay, then we won't see you are. As soon as she starts getting all bug-eyed and everything, they say take her out, so she should not be Matame the Azara. My time, but what's the problem? The Dilma Meta, she might die. So the name of the Meta, Sur Machlin Levia. Remember, we're out in the Azara, that's Machlin Levia. Um, or, so do you mean to tell me that uh, the presence of a corpse in Machlin Levia is a problem? Vatanya Tme Mate, Mutali Karis the Machlin Levia. We know this halacha, that a Tme Mate is only banned from the Machlin Shechina. Even a dead body can be in the Machlin Levi. When Moshe went to retrieve the bones of Yosef, and remember the bones of Yosef have a deen of mate, um, he brought them with him. What's Imo? Imo, I mean, he kept the bones of Yosef with him in the Machlin Levi the whole time. Which means that a mate, and certainly a mate can be there, so how, why are we concerned that this woman might die? Concerned, but of course, but as far as Tumat Hazara, why are we concerned? The concern is that not that she's going to die, but that because of all of the physical trauma she's going through, she's suddenly going to become a Nida. So, you're going to tell me that fright causes uh, blood to flow? So in dechtiv atitchalchal amalkal meod the pasuk that uh, the, the text in Esther that says that uh, when Esther found out that Mordechai was walking around with torn clothes it says she started shaking what's the drush of atitchalchal amarav she persanida she became a nida so you see that sudden fear causes that we have the Mishnah in nida that says fear stems blood. So the answer is pachdatzomit biatutam rafia. Anxiety indeed stems blood. 
and uh, somebody who's got a chronic anxiety and is always walking around worried, uh, so their juices slow down. But piatuta, sudden fear, will actually do the opposite. And so that's the concern here, is the woman suddenly freaks out about the possibility of her exploding and all. The concern is she's going to become a nida, and uh, therefore they said get her out. Okay, the last piece we're going to look at here is, and then this podcast is about the issue of schut in general, where the Mishnah said that if she has a schut, it could last for a year, two years, or three years. Now, Mani Matnitin, who is the author of our Mishnah? Lo Abba Yossi ben Hanan, V'lo Abelazer ben Yitzchak Ish Kfar Darom, two Tanaim who we know very little about, and V'lo Abish Moel, one we know a lot about. Why? Detanya, im yesh la schut tolala shlosha chorashim. Right, that the first opinion is that if she has a schut, she gets three months of a break, and then she dies. ubar. Enough time to recognize whether she's pregnant. What's that from? We'll see the pasuk. This is not three months, but nine months. Because what it says, If she's pure, then she has a kid. The pasuk in Tilim Chafbet, that... What's called zera? Zera is yisupar. Zera we the saper, meaning a kid who's already enough to talk about. Question is, what does that mean? Does that mean that zera is already recognized when she's seen to be pregnant, which is three months, or when the child is already born, which is nine months? The notion being that that is sort of the the level of schut that she gets. Um, <coughs> that v'nikta is not that if she's tahora she gets cleansed, but rather v'nikta if she has a schut she has enough time for zera. So that's the shear. Rabbi Shmuel Omer Shnei Masachot. It says twelve months, but remember none of them said two or three years. They all said one year at the most. And even though there is no proof. Uh, to that. Nonetheless, there is an, uh, an allusion to it, where Dichtiv, and in the Pasuk and Daniel, on the page I translate in English, because it's all in Aramaic, Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, who's frightened, You can redeem your sins by giving it and your terrible acts you can uh, redeem by uh, taking care of the poor. Uh, then you live longer. And then it says all of this came to Nebuchadnezzar. In the next pasuk, twelve months later. So in other words, Nebuchadnezzar got a break of twelve months um, uh, for um, uh, for doing these actions. And so you see that Rabbi Shmuel says, so there's such a thing as having divine punishment for uh, stall for uh, forestalled by um, by 12 months by your own good actions. Now, because it's a problem with this, of course, is that we're now talking about good actions that take place after the divine decree. In the case of the Soto, we're talking about where she had actions in her background, and now she drinks and she doesn't die right away. Okay, so the answer that we give is the Olam Rabbi Shmuel. Armish is really Rabbi Shmuel. Ashkach kra da'amar v'tani. He found another pasuk that gave more time. Dichtiv kwamar Adonai hashlosha pishe Adom v'yalav ba'alo hashiveno. That God says that for the three sins of Adom, I will not punishment, but for the fourth I will, meaning that you get a break for three. So why did he say before that he didn't have a real proof in that story of Nebuchadnezzar? 
perhaps in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, because he's not Jewish, therefore God is not as stringent with him, and not as careful with him, and uh, and therefore perhaps he gets a longer break. So Rabbi Shmuel was not able to prove that a Jewish person who's held to a higher standard can get a suspension of up to a year, but he had an allusion to it. But the pasuk about... Uh, about um, um, really is a fairly good proof because if you look later in this passage in Amos, it also says and famously Yisrael. In any case, we will pick up at the discussion of the three years. We'll first go back to the rest of the Mishnah and read about Benazai and Rebel Azar and their opinions about teaching your daughter Torah. And then we will see the issue of the Mavale Olam at the end of our Mishnah. In the meantime, everyone should have a wonderful day.